This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Can you talk about a player or a moment where you were like, and like messed up his head and maybe changed the game? Oh no, you don't don't really have to talk a lot because the fans see it, right? And, And that player is over there waving his hands and all you doing is saying, you you looking at him like, he ain't gonna pass it to you. Why, why am I guarding you? As a matter of fact, and, and yeah, you you would talk to different players, and you would be running down the court, and you'd be like, "Hey, this time, I'm not gonna even guard you." You Let's said that to people? Throw. Absolutely. Let's see if he throw you the ball, and then I run away and just double team, and then, and then I come back to him and go, "I guess he didn't pass it to you, huh?" What what that does to the opponent psychologically? It definitely, like, you know, ruins his feel good about himself. And then, by the way, when you when he does finally get a chance to shoot it or get to touch it, and he misses that shot, and then you run back and you go, hey, man, it's, I know, it's, it's, it's hard to make a shot when you ain't touched the ball in the last 10 minutes, huh? <laughs> 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 you said that to people. Oh, absolutely. That, that, was, that was the mental and psychological game that you played out on the floor. Isaiah Thomas is a two-time NBA champion and NCAA champion. He's one of the greatest point guards in the history of the NBA. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. And he was the short champion. And he ran his team, the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons, with toughness. They battled in an era when it was Jordan, it was Larry Bird, it was Magic Johnson. He played against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So he had to be the mentally toughest and the physically toughest of them all. And I want to talk to him about mental toughness and about being a great basketball player and being a winner and what it was like to face some of the greatest players in the history of the game. And I am super proud of this conversation. You'll get half of it here for the rest of it, which is highly important, interesting, and entertaining. Go to patreon.com slash show and subscribe. And for just $5 a month, you get the entirety of our Wednesday episodes, the whole thing, and all of our Friday Patreon exclusives. Get involved. 
right now. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Isaiah Zeke Thomas on Touré Show. One of the core things that I wanted to talk to you about is when I think about you as a ball player, you had the heart. You had the winner champion mindset. Even when y'all were struggling through the Eastern Conference, it was still like, man, like that guy is a winner. And then when y'all finally broke through, it was like, see, we've been seeing that he could do it. And the smallest guy on the court usually, and still the biggest heart, toughest. So talk to me about the champion mindset that you that you, I mean, you were, you were right on it, like, through like the mid eighties to the late eighties, like leading a team of tough alpha guys against one of the greatest Eastern conferences of all time. And you were right there in the fight. So what is the champion mindset that you were taking in night after night and into those big games in the final in the East finals and the finals and all that? You know, first to start out with uh, just, just perseverance, just uh, starting with, okay, this is, this is this is this is who we are. Uh, we may not be as as talented as some of the other teams that we're playing individually. Like Boston had more individual talent than we did. The Lakers had more individual talent than we did. And Chicago, from a talent standpoint, with Jordan, you know, they just they had more physical talent than we did. So collectively, how can we all come together? And not be the best individuals, but be the best team. And if we can become the best team, then we got a chance to compete with those great individuals, <laughs> you know, and, and, and just committing to a, a game plan. But again, it started with perseverance, started with a dedication to being in the best physical shape that you can possibly be in. And then it started with, you know, just mental preparation. And we always defined ourselves as a, as a mentally tough team, uh, while the media and everyone else defined us and described us as a physically tough team, all mental toughness in terms of being able to sustain 48 minutes of execution, being able to sustain 48 minutes of play, and whatever was written on that blackboard, being able to take it off the blackboard and make it come to life out on the floor, not just one time, not just two times, but every single time. So in order to beat the Detroit Pistons, you you had to be a little bit more than just physically gifted. You had to bring your mental aptitude to the game and be able to sustain that for 48 minutes or two and a half hours of pure concentration. And I think that's what made us such a good team. I mean, when the, when the game is close and the game is big, you're in the playoffs. It's national TV. You're, you know, you're fighting against Bird, Jordan, Magic. I mean, and you can feel like legacies are on the line. You know, there's two minutes left. You know, it's tie, it's close. You're a little behind. What are the things that you are saying to yourself so that you can go out there and execute? Because you know, why is it kept in that kind of situation? Most of the guys are on the floor. Most of the guys are on the floor are saying, "Don't pass it to me." Yeah. And a guy like you, Bird, Magic, Jordan, is like, give me the ball. But that's rare. Most of the people in a tense situation are like, don't throw it to me. They might knock it down if you do, but they're like, they're, and your attitude was always like, 
I want the ball. I know how to handle the situation. So what are you saying to yourself? Uh, I've practiced harder than anyone else. I've trained longer than anyone else. And from a stamina standpoint, those last two minutes, I'm, I'm in great physical shape. So while everyone else may be fatigued, um, I'm, I, I can go another two and a half hours. So I'm, I'm not really worried about my stamina or my physicality in terms of my, my training and my skill. I know there isn't anyone out on the floor that has practiced longer than I have, taking this shot, trying to perfect it, so forth and so on. So that gives you just enormous confidence in that situation. And the other thing that you're thinking about is, okay, you, you don't want to beat yourself. You don't want to make turnovers. And the other team, because they get fatigued or because they get mentally exhausted, they're going to make a mistake and they're going to do something that allows you as their competitor to truly take advantage of. And that's what I prided myself on because I, I wasn't as, as big as the other guys. I wasn't six, nine. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't blessed with the, 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 the gift of the jumping gene or nor was I blessed with the gift or the height gene. But the thing that I had to rely on was that I can out concentrate you and, and I think you for longer than you can height me or out jump me. The concentration piece is really important. And I think we don't always realize the fitness piece is so important because when the body starts to go, the mind starts to fall apart, right? And you just, you want to quit when your body is tired. And if you're like, we've been playing three hours, I'm not tired, you can still have crisp thoughts and control your mind. Absolutely. And, you know, we, you know, in, in the sport of basketball, uh, you know, uh, like a lot of sports, but more so in basketball, uh, because it's continuous action, uh, we, con- we connect mind and body uh, more than most athletes have to do. Um, you know, and in, a, and in most athletes, you, you know, the, the description of us, you, you really judge from the neck down. Uh, but for us, you know, playing in the sport and participating in it, you know, you really have to connect mind and body. And you, you have to be able to think fast. So, you know, what some people may define as instinct or instinctive plays, uh, but those habits have been honed over time. And, and it's not that they are instinctive. It's that you think faster than your opponent. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. So, so I can make a decision or come to a conclusion faster than the other guy that I'm playing against. And and, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, for the, for the athlete, right? Most, for the basketball players, we think in terms of time, we think 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9, 1. <laughs> that, that's how our mind works with time. So you watch the basketball game and you'll see 0.6 seconds left on the shot clock. Well, we know a lot lot of of things can happen in 0.6 seconds, right? But the the average person, you know, they think one, two, three, four, five. We break those seconds down in our mind and have to really understand that and connect it with our body. 
I mean, when you talk about breaking down time, part of what separates the great athlete mind is you can stay in the now, right? And the average person is like zooming off into like, oh man, if they score here, we're going to lose the game. People are going to laugh at me. They're going to say I'm not as good as, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to get the big contract, whatever, whatever. But you're like, I am right here in this moment. I'm not thinking about the future. How do you, and that's a talent. How do you stay locked into this second right in front of you and not let the mind leap off into the future or go back in the past? Damn, we had a 10-point lead. I wish we still had a 10-point lead. Like, it's, it's gone. It doesn't matter. How do you, like, stay locked into now? So, so re- remember, a couple of minutes ago, I, I defined our basketball team, the Detroit Pistons, bad boys, we defined ourselves as a, as a mentally tough team and, and being able to sustain concentration for two and a half hours, 48 minutes of consistent play. And, and that was our focus. So every time that we walked out on the floor, that mental stamina, that mental focus in terms of concentration had to be present, had to be there one through 12. And that's how we carried ourselves. And that's why we became champions. Were you, were you afraid ever in these moments when it's close, there's a shot left, there's one position left, or it's teetering? Like, were you ever afraid? No, I grew up on the west side of Chicago. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, you know I, that, in, in those moments, I, I actually found, uh, you know, uh, comfort uh, because that, that wasn't, uh, no, I was never afraid. I mean, I know the hero and the coward often feel the same, but the hero does it where the coward retreats. But you're like, I'm, I'm good. Uh, well, I'm, I'm good because I've, I've practiced. It, it's like, it, it, it's like um, if I was to give an example, it would be like, okay, coming into, into finals week and, and you prepared, studied, and now you got a test. And you walk into the classroom, you're like, I got this, you know. And some people look at those, those 35 or 40 questions and they're like, oh, man, I didn't study. I didn't, I didn't do that. But the person who has studied, the person who is prepared, they're looking at those 35, 40 questions like, damn, this all you got for me? <laughs> we live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting 
is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Is there a clutch moment that you look back on like, Yes, like right, like in this moment, we needed this shot, we needed this assist, and I made the play. And like, you know, other people were nervous, but I did the thing. Is there a moment that stands out of like? Um, you know, I I learned in 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 high school and and even in college um, that there's 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 no one play. Uh, every play's a big play. And this is something that my, my, my high school coach and then my college coach reinforced. My high school coach, uh, Gene Pingator in the High School Hall of Fame. My college coach, uh, Bob Knight, in the in Hall of Fame. And, and they stress every single play is a big play. Because one play can change the course of the game. And every possession is a big possession. So every 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 time I got in the game and every time I played, I I looked at every play as a as a as a huge play, and I tried to play that single play as if it was the most important play in the game because you never know it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eighty eight game six, injured, hobbling around, still making plays, still controlling the game. What is going on in terms of I'm feeling intense pain and I'm still getting it done? How do you do that? You know, that's that's when that's when, you know, those of those of us who have been in, in Baptist church before and you see people get the Holy Ghost <laughs> uh, and you don't know what what that is. 
I, I, I really can't describe what happened. You know, I, I look back on it and I know I wanted to win. I know I was in pain, but at the same time, uh, what happened to my body, it truly was an out of body experience where I just felt like, you know, when they talk about being in that zone, I definitely got into it. But in terms of what happened, how it happened, I, I have no idea. I just know that I, I played the, the game of my life. And uh, it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was a special feeling. I just wish I, I, just wish I wouldn't have been hurt so I could have come <laughs> going. Uh, but I know in my amateur sports career, losses have been much more beneficial than wins. And you almost forget the wins quickly, but the losses you marinate on and they teach you how to give it. So what were you taking, not as a team, but as, as an individual, what were you taking from the losses? Because the first part of the 80s, you know, you were one of the best teams, but you kept running into different mountains. And eventually you got to the top of the mountain. But what were you taking from those losses that helped you finally get up the hill? You know, the, the those heartbreaking losses, those heartbreaking disappointments, as you say, those are the things that you that you learn from. But while you're going through it, you're like, hey, man, <laughs> I, this, this learning thing, I don't want to do this uh, because <laughs> pain is, is so is so intense and it hurts. Um, but but the thing that that you have to understand about sport, you know, what you do is that, yeah, those those losses you can learn from and they're painful, but at the same time, while you're going through it, you have to be able to go back, critique it, and truly study your mistakes. And, and then when that situation arises again, you don't repeat the same mistake you just made. However, you know, the, the learning process is a, is a, it's it's a hard process to go through, but at the same time, you can never become the champion. Or I never, we never would have became the champions that we became. I never could have become the champion that I became had I not gone through those hard lessons that the Celtics taught us. That we were learning, bumping our heads up against them year in year out, and until we fully understood how to how to sustain concentration and do it for 48 minutes, and not just be good for a good 45, then you can beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about being a great point guard, because you are definitely one of the great point guards of all time. How would you characterize your game? What were you trying to do when you went out on the floor? That's a, that's a really big question. <laughs> uh, because, when I, because remember, when I came into the game as a small point guard, the, the stereotype in the in the box that they put the point guard in, um, and they called it a pure point guard, which I had a lot of problems with the word pure. Uh, <laughs> I, well, did that mean you were supposed to pass first? You're supposed to pass, set up the offense, and then go run, stand in the corner. And then the big man was supposed to do all the work. And the way I was brought up, I learned how to play the game 94 feet. 
So you had to be able to operate in every area of the floor, kind of what they do now, you know, what they call uh, interchangeable parts or, or what they called, um, uh, they don't put positionless basketball. When I came in, they wanted me to be in a position of the point guard. And these are the things that you can do as a point guard. And I was like, well, I practice shooting. So can I shoot? <laughs> I practiced this layup and they were like, no, you need to just go stand in a corner. So they didn't, I didn't, they didn't really have a position for me, nor did they have one for Magic Johnson. Because you remember when Magic Johnson came into the league as a six nine point guard, everyone was like, well, he's got to play power forward. And it was very controversial for him to be a six nine point guard doing the things that he was doing. And I came in behind that as a six one point guard, being able to do some of the things that I would do. So they didn't have a position or a purity box for Magic and I. And consequently, it's good that we had coaches that allowed us to play outside of the box. So what were we thinking when we went out on the floor? Both of us, I think, were thinking, how do we win? How do we control the game? How do we control tempo? Because tempo was the most important thing. I can make it go fast or I can make it go slow. And when you can control the tempo, then you can control momentum. And if I can control momentum, then I can control your emotions. So while I'm making it go fast or slow, I'm, I'm really making you mad too, because you may want to play fast, but I'm making you play slow. So it's, it's a whole mind chess game that you're playing as a point guard when you got that much control of the game. Is it about changing the tempo to be against what the other team wants? Or, or I feel like those Pistons wanted to play slower and have a lower scoring game than say those Lakers or those Celtics wanted to have. Is that, is that accurate? So those were the New York Knicks who wanted to play slower. You know, that was, that was, that was Oakley, Mason, uh, Starks, that group. We actually, when you think about the Detroit Pistons, we had the highest scoring game in NBA history. Right. Uh, So we, we played fast, but what we had the ability to do was play fast and play slow. So when Boston wanted to run, you had to be intuitive enough to know, okay, they're trying to change the tempo of the game. They want to run. So, okay, I'm going to slow it down. And, and then if they want to slow it down, now I'm going to speed it up. So I'm always going to keep you off balance, making you do something throughout the game that you really don't want to do. So whatever play you call in a huddle, if you call in a play for Bird, okay, we're going to double team him. We're going to make somebody else have to do something. We're always going to make you do for 48 minutes what you don't want to do. And that, that was all goal. So if you want to go fast, we're going slow. If you want to go slow, we're going fast. But you got to be versatile enough throughout the course of the game, not only to feel it, but also be able to execute. What does eating healthy mean to you? 
Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray thrivemarket.com slash Toray Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I mean, as 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 a competitor, if you could make your competition, your opponent do what they don't want to do, that like, you know, then they're already like a little on tilt. Like you're saying, the emotion is like, damn, I don't like playing this way, you know, like so they're already like ah, out of their sorts. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm making you do what you don't want to do which is allowing me to do exactly what I want to do. So, you know, when, when, when you hear players say, oh, we're out of rhythm or our team is out of rhythm, we're not in sync. I mean, th- those, are, those are big words. And although players casually throw them around, uh, that's exactly how I played and what I tried to do is make you be out of sync, make you lose your rhythm. And consequently, that, that, messes with your emotional balance, your feel good about yourself, your confidence. I'm getting ready to ruin that. <laughs> <laughs> you had great court vision. Um, you know, you clearly could always see the floor, get people the ball where they wanted it, when they wanted it, timing, these sort of things. Um, talk about how you saw the floor, you know, when you were at your height so that we could kind of understand what that elite court vision feels like. So um, 94 feet, you, you, you play in, in the rectangle, uh, you know, the, the, the backboard is a square, the rim is a circle. So you understand in the angles of the game, uh, you understand in chemistry, you understand in the math, uh, you understand in the geometry, you know, when, when people look out on the, on the floor and they see those, those circles and those squares and those boxes and those lines, where well, I was taught exactly what every line meant, the angle that you take with them and what you had to do out on the floor. So when you put together an offensive pattern, if your pattern is dictated by you being at such an angle, then I can disrupt that angle and I can disrupt your pattern. Uh, pattern basketball is the easiest thing to play against because now I know exactly where you're going 
and where you're supposed to be. So defensively, I can, de- I can design my whole defense to disrupt your pattern. Now, how do I play against that? And, and what I do is I want to be free flowing. So it's just like in a classroom, you know, I want, I want to put you in a position where you have to critically think every single time if I'm going left or if I'm going right, because I do have freedom to go both ways. You in a pattern, you can only go one way. And when you get to that spot, then you have to score from that spot. So what I always tried to do was disrupt patterns and make people play against our critical thinking and free thinking. Without indulging the ego, it sounds like what you're talking about, you would have done just fine in the modern positionless small ball NBA, where a lot of players are like, I played for the 80s or the 90s. My game would not fit today, but it sounds like you would fit in quite well with the way things are done today. Uh, you know, the, 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 the creators in the game, and I looked at myself as a, as a creator and as an original, uh, your, your basketball playing ability is timeless. And not only is it timeless, it can fit in, in any era. You can put Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, myself, Kareem, Shaq, you can put them in any era. Yeah. And, and we would have tremendous success in any era. Now, all the players I just named, all of us are uniquely different. All those players I just named, you can't say one plays like the other. Right. And, and in this era of basketball that we have now, you have a lot of players who are very similar to each other and play, you know, actually the, the, the same way uh, as they do with the same dribble moves, the same shot. Uh, so, you know, when you look at our era, there was a lot of originality. There was a lot of creativity mm-hmm. and no team and very few players played similar styles. Like I said, Magic was 6'9", I was 6'1", but we played different games. Bird totally. and Magic were the same size, two totally different players. Jordan was totally unique in himself. Jack was totally unique in himself. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So. When you look at the way we played back then and, and those originalities, a lot of those players, the reason why they're timeless and their game can fit in either era is because we brought creativity and a newness to our sport that while I admired some of the things that Magic did, it was, I didn't want to play that way. You know, I wanted my own style. And so everybody had their own style. And then it was as in, boxing they say the styles makes the fight right so everybody has a different style playing against each other whereas now every team plays the same and kind of every player plays the same so let's talk about some of the style kevin durant (laughs) (laughs) kevin durant is very special let's talk about um some of the styles that you brought to some of those epic fights that you had um and as you point out you know None of those teams could say they dominated the Pistons. The Pistons got past all of them eventually. But, you know, Magic, Bird, and Jordan were your three epic rivals. So on the court, let's start with Bird. 
because I'm from Boston and I was watching those those matchups as a Bostonian fan. Um, what were you, you not, not not the Pistons? We know we know where the Pistons. But what were you trying to do in terms of matching up with Bird? I know you weren't covering him, but like trying to stop Bird. What were you thinking about? The, most of the time, the, the majority of the time when we were playing against the Boston Celtics, particularly on the way up, we came in as students. And we knew they were the masters. So while we were competing against them, I was, I was mentally taking notes on what I would do once I got to their level. Because uh, they, they, they were the masters. And, and you grew up in Boston, and so you know how great a basketball team they truly were. Yeah. Uh, and and they, didn't make a, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. And everything was 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 like perfection. And when you played against Larry, it wasn't his his physical gifts. And even though he had a multitude of them, uh, his mental gifts. He and Magic at that time in the NBA. He, Magic, and Kareem, in terms of their intellect, they were so superior to all of us that you know Magic Magic could win a basketball game and score four points. <laughs> but he's dominated the whole game. And he had 25 Bird, assists. Yeah, and, 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 and Bird, Bird could do things out on the floor that would help his teammates, uh, but you never would see it. So when we came in, you know, I was trying to learn as much as I possibly can to one day beat them. So uh, they, they truly were our teachers. They truly were our masters in terms of, you know, coming to class every day. So when we played the Boston Celtics, it was like, all right, bring your notebooks, you know, <laughs> bring your pen and pencil, you know. And in every year, every game, we just got a little better, a little better, a little better. And finally, when we beat them, it truly was like, it was truly like the teacher saying, all right, y'all got it now. You know, good luck. I, I taught you everything I can. Good luck to you. For more from me and Isaiah, join us over at patreon.com slash show. Thanks so much, too. For more from me and Isaiah, join us over at patreon.com slash show. Thanks so much to Isaiah for a great interview, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle, Brenda Cox, Kathy F., and Dr. Kina Murphy. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at Patreon. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Torre Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jakey Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhull. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Wednesday and on Friday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. <laughs>